All right, we're rolling now. Rolling, huh? This is an impromptu late night podcast right now. We definitely weren't planning on recording, but yes, this is another special late night CSP. Mm-hmm. You gotta love the late night CSPs. Feeling pretty good about it. Uh, should we introduce our special guest? That's right. We got Jake here. Say hey, Jake. Hello. Very <laughs> special guest, by the way. It is. I guess uh, some of our hardcore fans might remember Jake yeah. from past episodes. Jake has sat in on probably at least two or three episodes. Never said a word, I should add. No, you might have heard a peep from the background. Maybe one in the distance. Yeah. That's dis- about it. A distant voice watching <laughs> watching television. Watching, watching sports. The NLCS, I remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cardinals all the way. Mm-hmm. Did we win? We did we, we, uh, we won that, but we did not win the World Series. So was that we? Or we, we didn't even go to the World Series. I, did we? We lost. Did we lose the NLCS or did mm-hmm. we? Yeah, we did. The Giants. Oh, yeah, that was right. I remember because I fucking went into a gas station that night, and mm-hmm. I was just like, "What's the score?" And like, we lost. Like everybody knew what was going on. It was so weird. Like I walked into Mobile on oh, the run. Oh, that's weird. And I was like, "Hey, what's the score?" And they're like, "Fucking, we lost." That's the one thing I love. Like I'm, I don't even follow baseball, but I love that I can walk into a gas station and be like, "What's the score?" Yeah, you know, and it's everyone's kind of cool. Like, yeah, he knows what's up. Yeah, yeah as a, like as a state or as a city, we're all following the same thing. It's almost as like like as a nation, we're kind of taking a moment and just being like, Cardinals. That's right. Yeah, for sure. It's Cardinal Nation over here. Yeah, it is Cardinal Nation. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we were just having some beers and. Uh, the dogs are wrestling, and it's like, why don't we do late night CSP? We might as well. We were just chatting it up, so might as well press record on that shit. But yeah, so uh, let's talk about. Uh, should we get into the the Stanley Kubrick? Yeah. Well, you could talk about uh, how that all started. I, how did you find this uh, documentary? Okay. Let's start from the beginning. Yeah, start from the beginning. All right. You gotta. You gotta crawl before you can walk, right? That's right. Okay. I've always been a fan of the movie The Shining. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what it was, but something has always just drawn me to this movie. Whenever I heard just this past year that um, a couple of super fans of the movie were releasing a documentary called Room 237, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's awesome. I thought people forgot about The Shining like 15 years ago. Yeah. So I watched it, and then they brought up a ton of different facts about how Kubrick was... He used the movie for subliminal messaging. Mm-hmm. Like, there were certain things about it, like um, the Holocaust, or what was another one that they brought up? Uh, that it was about, like, the genocide of the American Indian. Yeah, Native Americans mm-hmm. was a huge one, too. So that, just listening to that, um, there was a there was an interview with um, someone that was in that movie named Jay Widener. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how Kubrick supposedly faked the moon landing, like the Apollo footage. Yeah, the put the uh, the Apollo footage that we have grown to know through grade school, through our textbooks, through Neil Armstrong walking on the moon, mm-hmm. one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Oh yeah. Um. So I found out that he made a documentary too, like an entire documentary on this, called Kubrick's Odyssey. Okay. Which we had just watched. We just watched 
we were drinking a bunch of beers. We just watched this documentary, mm-hmm. and now we're like, let's just fucking do a podcast all of a let's sudden. Let's just record it. We were all just we were all just going over it, throwing out ideas. So, Jake, let me ask you: before going into this movie, how did what did you feel about the moon? About the Apollo footage? Like, were you a believer, or what was your take on anything about what you were taught? I was skeptical of the moon landing. My initial thought was that we did not land on the moon in 1969. Yeah, that was the year, man. <laughs> that was a fact given to me by Rocky after I asked him. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I did not think that we landed on the moon. And uh, after watching this film, my biggest thing was the fact that, like, maybe we did or maybe we didn't, but film was not... Not that great in 1969, so I think maybe there were clips, maybe there was something that was, you know, clips, pretty much, and then we went from there and maybe, and not maybe, but I really think that Stanley Kubrick, you know, or whoever it may have been, filmed the actual thing that the public saw to gain their confidence in such a hard time. That was my thought. But it wasn't my thought at the beginning. My beginning thought was the fact that, like, I didn't think that we landed. That's my initial thought. When I, you know, I never thought about it when I was a kid that much because I wasn't into that kind of. Well, stuff. Well, nobody really thought about it. That's just yeah, it, it was happened, just something that you, you know? saw in your, your you you heard it from your grandparents, and you heard like, you know, it was a you know an important time. That was the biggest thing. Was it was it was an important time. That's where like I was like, if that was such an important time, if it wasn't true, if it didn't actually happen, then it could have been that elaborate of a a thing that like the government could have covered up, you know, like the Kennedy assassination and all that. Like it which I think all that, ties into the same. thing. Yeah, it could have been that big, and that you know, it's around the same time period. There was multiple things that you could say that like around that time period that did not happen and you know there could be evidence and there is evidence that points to that it didn't happen and that we covered it up as a nation and why wouldn't you if you're strategic as strategic as the United States was at the time and like intelligent and all that like why would we not venture out into one of the biggest you know, things that we could use in the industry of film and use it to our advantage. And not to mention, this was also the guy that directed 2001, A Space Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Now, Ty, in 1968, if you saw this movie and you were, you were planning on faking the Apollo footage, would there be any other director that would be in your line of no, vision? Not at all. I mean, this is before George Lucas was doing anything. This is before any, like, major sci-fi players are doing anything and still it looks amazing like it still looks really good um just the way he shot it like kubrick was just a master of of uh of like problem solving trying to figure out how to make amazing shots and trying to figure out how to use the camera and use special effects to his advantage and use everything to his advantage to make you know the most the most amazing thing that he could possibly put out there and so and from what we had learned just from the documentary, 
he was trying to actually get footage from inside the B-1 bomber, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't allow him to get footage, so he he took several pictures yeah. and just kind of stitched them together yeah, to he, make a pretty accurate vision of what the, what yeah, the inside was like. He basically took pictures from magazines that were of different aspects of the inside of the bomber, and then was like, okay, so this is right there, and this looks like this, and this looks like this, and he made such a, like... An accurate bomber that officials were like puzzled. They, you know, they were amazed at how accurate he actually was in, in producing it. And it, it it really was like, and that's the type of thing that sometimes you think, well, maybe being a director wouldn't be that hard. Mm-hmm. But it's things like that that like really it kind of gives me a headache just even thinking mm-hmm. about it, man. Yeah, it's uh, especially at the time. We well, yeah, had time of when he yeah when he did it in, what nineteen sixty five sixty three whatever sixty eight I believe yeah sixty oh sixty eight so it was closer to that time period yeah mm-hmm. even watching <clears throat> some footage from movies in like seventy five or mm-hmm. even like even in the eighties that was my thought like, yeah God he uh-huh. was so far ahead of his time he was way ahead of his time it's just that his the way he made movies was such an artistic way and using um film in a way people hadn't seen that people kind of ignore it and don't think about it because it wasn't some like major motion picture blockbuster instead it was like hey th- think about this shit yeah it's so it has other time they don't even realize what mm-hmm. they're looking at people just have no I- no idea so so continuing with if we're just gonna go I guess by the story of what we've seen on this documentary yeah. just for people that haven't checked it out mm-hmm. So the government has, has seen Stanley Kubrick's work, and they're like, this is our guy. we got to mm-hmm. get this guy. Yeah. So they go and they try to make a deal with Kubrick, and I guess the way the deal works out is that Kubrick gets pretty much an unlimited budget for mm-hmm. any movie that he puts out in the future. Yeah. And also, what else? And without any, like, outside, so nobody's going to, he's not going to get denied anything. It's almost like he doesn't have to answer anybody answer to anybody when he's making his movie he just gets free reign and free you know a blank check over movies that he's going to be making in the future and i mean to be honest if someone comes up to you at that time Mm -hmm. and they're like listen the space race fucking russia you Mm -hmm. know we're america's going to be number one we're going to make it to the moon landing yeah we want you to direct it how fucking sexy does that sound ty that'd be amazing there's like several reasons that you would take that that you would say yes to that idea for one thing it's you know helping america and doing a good for a good cause and raising our spirits and our confidence in our country but then on also on top of that you get to take part in the ultimate like uh Hot, like uh, almost like pulling the wool over entire country's eyes or the entire world, really. And so you get to take part in this massive, you know, art experiment that is supposed to trick people into believing something. And we're making history. Mm-hmm. Like we're making history like never before. Mm-hmm. You know, could you pass that up, Jake? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, could not pass that up. It's crazy to think about. So okay, but then they also said another aspect of it might have been that they. Gave him the offer, and he was like, well, I could say no, but if I did that, then they could easily just get rid of me, because now I know oh, about yeah. this idea. Right. So it's not like, so it's maybe, it's, maybe it's not something you can say no to. Mm-hmm. That's true, too. So maybe he was second-guessing it, but, you know, why wouldn't they get rid of him? They fucking got mm-hmm. rid of Kennedy, and I'm, yeah. I am sure 
mm-hmm. that there was not that there was more than one gunman. There was not a lone gunman yeah. in that. Mm-hmm. That's a different story, Ty. Yeah, another conspiracy. But why wouldn't they kill him mm-hmm. after they told him this whole fucking story? Well, maybe they did. You know. Yeah. Maybe they killed. Oh, yeah. you're saying like That's after true. like eyes wide shut. Like right, yeah. Because I don't really know much about his death, but supposedly he died like kind of instantly after he wasn't able to like his one and only film. He wasn't able to do whatever he wanted when he died. So, and that was only a couple a couple months after that mm-hmm. release too. Yeah, and that really that he's right. That was, how old is he? You know, at the time he was like seventy. Yeah, so yeah. there it would be kind of easy to. You're right. To something Some, in. So maybe they were like, "Fuck you! No, we're not going to let you do yeah. that. We're not going to let that come out." Yeah. And then it's you're been to fucking die now. It's probably the government is like kind of changed, and it's a different kind of thing. And they're like, "This can't stand anymore. We have to get over this like conspiracy thing." Because that was 1999. I'm, yeah, I'm sure the conspiracy things have completely. That was that was thirty years part, later, man. Yeah, for the most part, and yeah, have pretty much kind of drowned themselves out. And he, and they're just like, all right, let's get rid of this guy and let's not have any other, because he's extremely intelligent and he knows what he's doing and he is a very good negotiator and everything else. And with his, not only that, but he has a huge audience, too. Yeah, and he has a huge following mm-hmm. audience, whatever. Yeah, so let's get rid of him while we can, while he's at an older age, even though he will probably live into his 80s. Mm. I mean, you know. Jake makes a good point, man. I based mean, like, off of Stanley Kubrick's like past films and how he is, right. just as a, guy, as a person. Yeah. Just seems to be... So, yeah. And I mean, it's like, he's getting older, but not only that, the entire government has like changed, like they're new people. Now, this has been 30 years mm-hmm. since, since 2001, since they made the deal with him. Yeah. You know, so it's like, fuck you, man. No, you're not going to be able to put this footage out. You're not going to be able to say whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. Like, we're just going to cut you off here and now you're dead. Yeah. At some point, somebody was like, wait, why is this guy still alive? Yeah. yeah. Or why are we still using... Mm-hmm. The film industry to make our point when we, I mean, I'm sure they probably have, or would they? Is a another good question. Would they still use the film industry to make mm-hmm. a point or to, yeah, follow something? That's something you could bring up later, but you know, maybe they're just like, let's get away from this. We have enough to deal with with you know the things that were going on at the time, right? So, okay, I guess we've pretty much built up the beginning of the story. Uh-huh. Let's get into, really, Jake, you need another beer? Yes. I yeah, think. We, we, we have another beer. What do you need, man? The same I have. The well, same that you had? The cans, yeah. Right. We gotta go get, stuff. we gotta get Jake another beer here. He was, he was, he was drinking his empty glass. I've I was seen that. I was sipping now. on my, like, the suds that I had in my glass. He's just like, making love to the sip. I was just like. Oh, come on. He's just like... I was waiting for the stop. Trying the, to squeeze uh, more out of there. Yeah. But it's all good. I have Rocky to roll yeah. on. Oh, yeah. There's, There's a little that. spike right there. Nice. Oh, and that is a... Uh, 
commercial for uh, <laughs> what is that? Is that vin- what is that called? Viniferous stone? No, it's a vinifera stout. Vinifera stout right. from Ska Brewing. It's a beautiful beer. You guys should uh, you try it if you haven't had it. Oh, what did you say? It's a grape stout. It's a Concord so grape stout aged yeah, in and oak. Yeah, nice. and if you hear that and you don't think it sounds good, it is delicious. Yeah. <laughs> just remember that. It sounds nothing like the name. So just remember that, audience. There we go. Go try it. So anyways, going into... Okay, so now we've built up the very beginning of the story. Mm-hmm. Now it leads into The Shining. The 1980 uh, 80 film... Stephen King or Stephen King story, Stanley yeah. Kubrick film, The Shining. Yep. Um, so that's where we're at right now, man. Um, mm-hmm. Kubrick turned the story upside down. He did. So it kind of sounds like, um, it kind of sounds like he had made two thousand one, and then after that, what he made, Barry Lyndon, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, by that time, he was kind of just bored and kind of tired of making the same old movies, and he wanted to do something different. And it sounds like maybe the weight of this uh, of this whole thing of having directed the moon landing and then having the weight of that on his shoulders of lying, basically, for all these years and, uh, is finally getting to him. So he wants to display, or he wants to tell the world about it, but it's not something he can just come out and outright do. They would kill him if yeah. he came out with the story. So he decides to make this movie and to use Stephen King's The Shining as basically his, you know, his microphone for the world to tell the world exactly what 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 happened and what what he did using symbolism and using imagery um and not being completely overt about it but making people kind of thinking and you know putting things together. And there were and from from certain, I mean, we've watched documentaries. We've watched Room Two Thirty Seven. Mm-hmm. It was a great documentary. That was awesome. Um, we've we've watched uh, Kubrick's Odyssey. Mm-hmm. From watching just several, really studying the studying the topic of this, we've learned a couple different things. We've learned that, well, first of all, the actual Overlook Hotel was made to represent America. Mm-hmm. Um. The Torrance family comes in, and Jack is going to play the caretaker. Mm-hmm. Um, Olman, who is the, I guess, the general manager of the hotel. Yeah, he is also made to look like, um, like the face of America. Yeah, he's got an American flag. He's got a JFK fucking wig on, mm-hmm. and he's talking about we have to stop this hotel from showing decay mm-hmm. because it's old. Yeah. And Jack is playing, yeah, again, he's playing the caretaker. Going into that, there are several things, um, several things about it that just aren't right. I mean, like the impossible window, first of all. Yeah, it's this window um, in, what's his name? Ullman? Ullman. Yeah, it's in his office, and basically you uh, watch Jack walk through the lobby, and he's going to the office, and you sort of kind of get a sense that the office is in the center of the hotel it's right in the smack dab of this lobby and you can see that it goes way far back and it should go way far back in all directions but when he enters um the office there's a window there's a really bright window that's clearly supposed to be 
an outside window. And so you realize the window is not, like, possible. There's no way it can actually be there um, and showing an outside view um, when, this, when the office seems to have to be in the lobby, essentially, of the hotel. Right. And, I mean, there are several other things also... Um, showing, I forgot the name of the fucking, I forgot the name of the dude that's, that's sitting next to Jack in the, uh, in the yeah, office. Yeah, yeah. He he's has, like, he's the summer caretaker? Is yeah. That who he, is? he has such a, yeah, the fucking, like the, he's the stepchild, the summer caretaker. Yeah, yeah. But, um, he has such a small role, but he is supposed to be playing like the actual government. Mm-hmm. Like if Ullman is the face of the government, he's like fucking handsome John F. Kennedy. Mm-hmm. He's like, this is what we're trying to do, man. This is what this is what America is. Mm-hmm. And this dude is just sitting here giving Jack a cold stare. He is like, the whole time. He's kind of got his beady eyes on him. He doesn't say anything. He's just like watching him really, really like warily and yeah, just burrowing into him with his eyes. Yeah. So going into that, I mean, if anyone out there that's listening is a fan of The Shiny, you can see several things going on. You can see whenever they're walking into the room that the Torrents are going to be staying in, Mm -hmm. there's a scene where Wendy is coming out, and you can see the exit sign and the wallpaper down the hall of where Danny is later going to be riding his big wheel Mm -hmm. and see the twins. Yeah. So it is right down the hallway Mm -hmm. from where they're staying. But... Going back to the Kubrick, um, the Apollo moon landing hoax, mm-hmm. what is the next scene that comes to your mind really, Ty, that, that kind of ties this all together for you? I mean, I guess the most powerful part is, uh, is Danny playing on the, on, the, on the ground, on the carpet, with his like toy trucks. And the way the, the pattern of the carpeting is, uh, I guess, was it a hexagon? It could be a hexagon. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I could say that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so he's sitting in the middle of this hexagon playing with trucks that are kind of centered or kind of uh, lined up along the the border of the hexagon um, directly in front of him. And he's he's directly in the center of this hexagon. And I guess when you take what the actual landing, the launch pad for uh, the missions looks like. At Cape Canaveral. In Cape Canaveral. It's basically the exact same shape of that uh, of the of the carpeting and that little pattern that he's sitting on, this hexagon, and he's got his trucks lined up directly on the outside. Um, and actually, as soon as he's so he's in the middle, the center of it, and you're and it's got the shape, so you're wondering, okay, where's the rocket or where's the where's the spaceship? And he stands up in the middle of it once um, a ball is rolled to him by the by the hotel. It's, it's just like, kind of thrown out like, mm-hmm. hey, let's play. Yeah, you and know? so he responds to it, he sees it, and he stands up to see what it is. And when he stands up, you find that he has a Apollo 11 sweater on, and it's a rocket standing straight up. So he stands up, and on his shirt is a rocket standing straight up, and he's standing right in the middle of this pattern, which is like the launch pad. I gotta know what went through Jake's mind when he saw that sweater that Danny was wearing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What sure were you did. thinking, dude? My thought was... Was was this Stanley Kubrick, Kubrick's complete thought of, wait a minute, or uh, not Stanley Kubrick's? What was my thought process? Stephen, are you talking about Stephen King, or are you talking about um, 
No, the director of the film. Stanley Kubrick. Stanley. No, no. The director of the documentary was oh, my, right. my oh, whole thought process. Okay. Jay, Jay Widener. Yeah. So Stanley Kubrick completely knew that he had, you know, this was his film. But Jay Whitener, his initial thought was that, wait a minute, this is Stanley Kubrick telling the public officially on film that, hey, you know, this is the Apollo 11. This is me telling, this is Stanley Kubrick telling the world that I, you know, came up with the whole thought, you know, did the whole thing, made the film, all that. This is where it started. So he went from that point in the film to the beginning of the film of The Shining and went from there and created the document, you know, yeah. created the whole thing, uh, the whole thought process, the whole entire thing. And it says Apollo 11 USA. I mean, it's it's insane, like how elaborate, like it's just, stand. he stands straight up and it's, I mean, it's Almost just like an, he's lifting off the launch. Yeah, kind of almost like he's lifting because... The thing rolls in, and not only does the thing roll in, and there's the trucks and all that, but there's like a missing spot of, there's just a missing little, like square kind of like shape, and that tennis ball rolls in of just telling the person like, rolls in, and then he stands up, and then you're just like, everything clicks, the light bulb mm-hmm. clicks on, and you're just like... All right, and I could only imagine being in that time of just being like, but that's the thing is it at that time did were people even thinking of that? But like, I don't think that people in the theater at the time were thinking it because I've I, seen you know, I've seen the film yeah. several times and yeah. that's never really clicked yeah. with me. I've no, always never. and to be honest, I've noticed I've noticed Danny wearing this. Mm-hmm. I've noticed Danny wearing this this sweater, the Apollo Eleven, because I remember I've. I've laughed about it before because it just looked kind of silly. And mm-hmm. standing up, he's wearing this crudely stitched Apollo 11 sweater mm-hmm. that his mom bought at a yard sale yeah, or something. Has no, doesn't have any like thought process, like any, you know, yeah. any place being into the in the film. You know, it's it is a stitched uh-huh. like old time sweater that is not yeah. like it is. Yeah, you like you're probably getting into say you can tell that is. It's placed in the film, mm-hmm. and then for you can, a certain point. Yeah, and you can tell that it's handmade, almost yeah. like it's representing, like the mm-hmm. fact that uh, this entire the entire mission, or at least the footage of it, is completely man-made. Man. Yeah, and hand and stitched together rather yeah. than it being like yeah. some like the know. backgrounds of, mm-hmm. like in the film they point out like the backgrounds of the. Apollo Eleven are stitched in. And even like, even the technique that he derived from two thousand one Space Odyssey, stitching mm-hmm. in. Even way back from when we were talking about Doctor Strangelove, mm-hmm. the inside of the B one bomber. Yeah, yeah. That is where in. that is where Kubrick decided. Like that's where he learned to stitch mm-hmm. things in. Yeah, mm-hmm. which led later to the moon landing footage, mm-hmm. yeah. which is like the ens- essence of movie making is man making something so that we kind of sit there and believe it to be real or mm-hmm. we get to d- suspend our disbelief yeah whether know? it be real or not mm-hmm. like it might have been real the moon landing might have been real but like they wanted to bring it into the home mm-hmm. and make it so real that they felt like it was real in their house so mm-hmm. maybe they maybe it was real maybe we did land on the moon but it wasn't that elaborate 
And so we made it so extravagant and Stanley Kubrick made it so real just to make, you know, the United States fall behind every decision thereafter mm-hmm. you know, and that we made. So we they would have confidence in every decision that we made. It was a big, big, big point in the United in the United States, you know, history. There from there then after, you know, it mm-hmm. was huge that something had to been made, whether we landed or not. Something and I, had to be done. I mean, it's like so even going from from the moon landing into the shining. Okay, going from that. Danny is wearing Apollo 11 on his mm-hmm. shirt. What happens next? He travels into room 237. Uh-huh. In this if anybody that's read the Stephen King novel the 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 room was 217, Kubrick claims he's changed it from 217 to 237 because the actual hotel had a room 217 and the manager was afraid that mm-hmm. no one would want to stay in that room, which was later found to be false. Right. Kubrick changed it from 217 to 237 because it is calculated that it is 237,000 miles from the Earth to the moon. Mm-hmm. And we know it to be false because the hotel they used didn't even have a 217. Exactly. So Exactly. So Danny is wearing this. He is the embodiment of Apollo 11, and he travels from the launch pad mm-hmm. into room 237 where everything is fake. Mm-hmm. And you can't tell anybody about what happens inside. That's right. That's mm-hmm. that's where uh, Jack sees the visions of and Danny see the visions of the woman in the in the uh, tub. Mm-hmm. So everything that goes on in there is complete fiction, or you can't trust it. It's uh, it's a, an illusion essentially. Mm-hmm. It's it's some a veil put over their eyes into something they thought was real, and then they realize wasn't real at all. And Jack sees this sexy woman coming out of the tub. Mm-hmm. And he's attracted at first because, hey, directing, like we said, directing the moon landing footage is sexy. That's Mm -hmm. what's going to be awesome. Seems like a great idea. When he gets up close enough, though, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's an old hag. Yeah. And he's going to try to hide it. He doesn't want to tell anybody (laughs) about it. Yep. That's where we're at, man. He he gets close. He makes out with her. Oh, he gets (laughs) super (laughs) close, man. I'll throw that out there. Sure, (laughs) man. And then... Steps back and realizes that she's an old hag. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we're at the half hour point. Let's take a break. Let's regroup. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can come back with more conspiracy talk and more mm-hmm. uh, late night CSP, Ty. Yay. Do we, we got, have any more beer? We got plenty. Oh, dude, I got a fridge full of beer. Right, Let's good. do this. All right. Let's all take turns going peaks. I know we all have to pee. <laughs> We've all broken the seal yeah. at this point. We all have to pee, and then we will go in the fridge, and we'll let's, let's, let's each grab two beers at a time. Might as well. We think it's it's, a, it's one of those yeah. nights. All right, let's do it. Okay, so we'll do that. We got Jake in the house. We're gonna celebrate, and uh, we'll be back after we listen to this on late night CSP. What do you do? You join the mothers, and you end up working for Zappa, and he makes you be a creep. You could have played the blues with John Mayall or far out exciting jazz with blood, sweat and tears. You really think so? Look, no one will ever take it seriously after this. How can they take it seriously? In this business, you either got to play the blues or sing with a high voice. You're right. I never should have joined the mothers. Why, I could be a star now. 
German, but yeah, I'm nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, we're back on late night CSP. Um, we're going around the table right now, uh, talking about some different brewskis that we're having. Just throwing it out there, trying to pronounce names. And yeah, shit. I mean, Jake, you got you pretty much have down what I'm drinking. What am I uh-huh. drinking, man? Yeah, I'm nothing beer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm drinking an authentic German Yanger beer. Yeah, I'm nothing. <laughs> Listen to it. he's a professional. I am a professional. <laughs> so yeah, man. Um, I think I got some Lost Continent um, from Grand Teton Brewing. 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 Yeah. It's a double IPA. Pretty tasty. Is it? Not bad for an IPA. Yeah, you left that in the fridge at the studio for a little while. I did. Yeah. Now we're sipping on it. On a tasty poo. Are we, yeah, man. are we cheersing or yeah. I was going to cheers, but I'll taste it, sure. Look at that. That is Jake's third beautiful, bre- Jake's beautiful pour tonight. Pour tonight. That is like a commercial. Look at the head on there. <laughs> it's pretty hot. Woo. Well, that's really good, dude. I'm into it. Lost Continent? Yeah. Grand Teton Brewing? Yep. That's one of the better IPAs I think I've had. <sighs> that's very good. And what's Jake still got his, still going with his? Oh, been, let's let's listen to Jake. What do you first? got over there, buddy? Hey, you're the you're the name answer on this. You're the pronouncer, bro. Hey, you're the one that uh, brought me this beer, so yeah, you go right ahead. That is the Vina Vera Stout from Ska Brewing out of Colorado. That's the Vina Vera Stout from Ska. I like the way he did that. <laughs> he rolled his tongue on that shit. That was good. <laughs> it's like almost like it was a foreign beer. A Vina Vera. I know. I went a little anywhere. went a little too much, but it's uh, you know. all right. My bad. It's so good, I had to go to the extreme. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, do we get back into conspiracy talk? Might as well. I don't know if we did we fin- fully finish uh, the Kubrick. We got into where Danny arrives in the moon room. Mm-hmm. Now, we got more to talk about now. Um, going into Jack sees the lady, he realizes she's an old hag, he leaves... Um, snap to he's fucking typing in the room. He's mm-hmm. typing his fucking story. That's the whole reason that they came to the to the right. Overlook Hotel so he could write his his mm-hmm. play. Um, Wendy walks in. She wants to obviously read what Jack is writing. Yeah, and Jack pretty much tells her. What does he tell her, Jake? No. Yeah. You can't see what I'm writing. You're right. Mm-hmm. With a little more uh, vigor and you know. Manliness. Physical. Yeah. It says, get the fuck out of here, bitch. Exactly. He pretty yeah. much says Pretty that. much. Yeah. You want to see what I'm writing, you'd yeah. have to kill me for the most part. And you can kind of see, like, how Kubrick would be getting frustrated and kind of, mm-hmm. like, uh, he's he has no outlet to be able to tell yeah. anybody what he's doing. That's a good point. He has no one doing. to tell him. He has no one to mm-hmm. tell or he'll die. Yeah. So you can see him lashing out yeah. at people, especially people who are for sure. You know, nice and, him, and yeah. just interested in what he's Probably doing. Probably his family. Can. I mean it's a mm-hmm. the point of like just reaching out to for Kubrick to tell that like he has lashed out to his family and said, No, I can't mm-hmm. like I have the secret, I can't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. And this is how I feel. Yeah. That's what it is, pretty much. So Kubrick is typing, or Jack is typing, mm-hmm. Wendy leaves the room. Let's let's just fast forward later to when she comes into the room when Jack is gone. Mm-hmm. 
and she finds the and everybody that's seen The Shining knows this scene. She finds the all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Yeah, written on hundreds of papers. And this is not from. The biggest point is this is not from the novel. Yeah, this is Uh not from the Stephen King novel. This is uh, this is completely original to the movie. Uh She's digging. Yeah, she's digging through these hundreds of pages that all say all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy mm-hmm. which in reality this is Kubrick's wife finding the documentation mm-hmm. that Kubrick directed the Moonlight. yeah and you know? realizing you can see the horror on her face as she's going through these pages and realizing um exactly what he's been doing this entire time mm-hmm. and then from there, we get into the whole scene of the stairs where, and this really also, this was almost just as prominent as the as the rocket on Danny's sweater. Mm-hmm. When Jack is walking towards her, she's swinging the bat and he's saying, do you ever think about my responsibilities to my employers? Mm-hmm. I have given my word. Would, have you ever thought about my future? And he's mm-hmm. yelling all these things at his wife. Mm-hmm. I've got a point, too, is the fact that, like, the all work and no play, the all is the Apollo 11, mm-hmm. which a- points out L-L- A-L-L is the Apollo 11. Or A-1-1. So you're A-1-1. saying A-1-1. A-1-1. A-1-1, the first part of this whole entire thing is the Apollo 11. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it's just... <clears throat> That's pretty much it, you know. I mean, that's a, so the all represents that gives you. Like, I mean, it's right there in the first thing that he says in a thousand papers that he writes. That's mm-hmm. all he writes. So you're pretty much saying all work and no play. Apollo makes, Eleven work and no play makes yeah. Jack a dull boy. Yeah, which makes Stanley Kubrick a dull boy because he has no nothing else to do because that's his only thought process. Through all these things, so that's why any film after that, after, you know, the first few films after the, you know, the government takes over him, that's all he does. Right. And that's, from then on, that's all he thinks about, that's, you know, Mm -hmm. if you think about it, that's, if you do something that extreme, that's all you're going to think about, and you cannot keep that... You would not think to keep that secret or to be able to keep that secret. It's such an extreme thing to keep secret and not to be able to leak out to other people. Like you would just want to leak it out to other people. Right. I mean, you're directing the moon landing footage. Mm-hmm. Does it get any fucking bigger no. than that? I mean, it no. would be something kind of, yeah. And something kind of just struck me too is just, Kubrick's like whole point in making films is kind of is kind of display or pushing an idea or pushing feeling or emotion out onto as broad a people as he can just through use of symbolism and through you know camera trickery in the movie and what way to do that other than or what way to do that by basically tricking an entire country mm-hmm. which is so he gets to take the craft that he already does, which is making movies and making people feel things and see things, and doing that on a massive, massive world scale level, um, and basically tricking an entire con or an entire world into thinking, into believing something that he's displaying on them on screen. So what an like amazing opportunity mm-hmm. for him to have done 
that yeah. like I can now I can see more like why that would have been really appealing to him. Yeah. Um, that he wasn't be able wasn't able to like tell people so. Why not like, like his craft and his ability, be able to show it through his films, right? And be able to like portray it throughout and multiple, you know, maybe not even like just The Shining, but maybe through it out between multiple films that he directed from mm-hmm. then on. And that leads me to another point too, going into what you were saying, Ty. He is using The Shining, Stephen King's novel The Shining, as just a shell. Mm-hmm. Just to yeah. completely say, of just to tell his story. Mm-hmm. And the fact, the biggest part to me that led me to believe this is at the beginning... Okay, you see, you see the Torrance family driving. Now, you, we've, all read, mm-hmm. we've all read the book. Mm-hmm. How prominent is the red Volkswagen in the book? Yeah, it's pretty prominent. The first couple chapters are all about how big of a piece of shit Jack's red Volkswagen mm-hmm. is. The opening scene shows a yellow Volkswagen. Mm-hmm. Stephen King's got to be like, this fucking dude, he already fucked up. I can't believe that Kubrick already He's fucked like, us up. Dude, it's real simple. I said mm-hmm. a red Volkswagen. And then it all makes sense whenever Halloran is on his way back to the Overlook because Danny mm-hmm. was shining with him. And then we see the tractor trailer completely smashed yeah, yeah, yeah. over the red Volkswagen mm-hmm. on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. That's Kubrick's way of saying, "I've crashed your car. We're now in my car. Yeah, yeah. we're amazing. now in my we're now in my world." Yeah, mm-hmm. that's exactly. so incredibly now obviously blatant. Yeah, like I can't even imagine being Stephen King and sitting there watching the movie and just already pissed, and then to be like, "Oh, this motherfucker!" He had to you be would the- think. And a big point would be to bring out that you would think at that time that King Stephen King would be able to have some influence on his own book. Mm. You know, that's got to be on what's so frustrating because he has so many rights on that entire yeah. thing. But not frustrating, but the fact that it brings back the point of. Stanley Kubrick's agreement with the government. You're fucking right, dude. With the government that says that way. he has so many, really? he has any kind of anything that he wants to do. So the government says, so that's King, something compl- that's get a, out of here. That's a new you know? wrinkle. Tom. Yeah, mm-hmm. get out of here and says, this is he, but not only that, but then the fact that like, maybe that it went too far and in, the later Stephen or uh, Stanley Kubrick films, that's when they start to like because they're realizing that oh shit, like he went too far in mm-hmm. The Shining, he went too far mm-hmm. in this and unveiling like they're not. I think Stanley Kubrick was smarter than the, the government to mm-hmm. be honest. I mean, sure, obviously, of yeah, of course he was. Yeah. A, a bit, you know, up and just insane above the government and everything mm-hmm. else. But that's an extreme, like, yeah, Stanley Kubrick just amazed me. Amazed yeah. me. I just blew my own mind, so there you go. <laughs> that was yeah. such a perfect time for, like, him to die, too, is, like, 99. Yeah. The yeah. internet is boom, is just about to boom. It's about mm-hmm. to go huge. And so I'm sure that there were people on the internet starting already to be like, hey, there's some crazy shit going on yeah. in Stanley Kubrick's movies. Look at this symbolism. And this is at the the you know right when the the internet is about to explode, and so yeah. the, 
So maybe the government's like, we need to get this fucker like right yeah, now. We need before, to get him now. He's before all this the stuff age goes crazy. where it could not be like tied back to us. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, wait, what is he trying to put in eyes wide shut? Man, fuck him. Know, Let's yeah. cut him off right the fuck. What now. is he trying yeah. to do? Yeah, and like we can't, we can't have our hands in that. We have our hands in so much, mm-hmm. so many other things. Yeah, and let's, let's cut this string right now and let's get him out of here. And we were also talking about future Kubrick endeavors. Mm-hmm. Um, what I mean, what else were we talking about him? Yeah, he was uh, artificial intelligence, which uh, Steve, or yeah, Steven Spielberg actually ended up directing. That was Stanley Kubrick's next movie. So Stanley Kubrick was actually making. He was going to make artificial intelligence AI with like Haley Joel Osment. I think it was already in in pre production. I think it was, and then he died. And that's when uh, Steven Spielberg took over God, and made the so rest of the movie. Can you only imagine what was going to happen in AI? Like, what would have had that would have been that mm-hmm. would have been the quintessential Kubrick movie. That would have been amazing. And he would have been dying like after that because he wouldn't have even if he would have lived mm. after that he wouldn't have lived much longer. No, it was like him telling like this is what's happening now. This is AI. And then this is what you need to be aware of, like, mm-hmm. when I'm gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It was definitely, he could have been creating some sort of warning for the future for what was coming in that movie. Especially, like, Steven Spielberg made it, and it was good. It was Especially if he was still, like, in the government and still mm-hmm. in... Maybe he was, like, in the top of the... At that like a main point, man. Like, in the top of the government and was, like... Yeah, part of, oh man, CIA, FBI, like one of the top people and knew all these things and just indulged and yeah. just went insane in one film before he died. Mm-hmm. And maybe that was the and threat. And that would have been artificial intelligence. Of, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was the threat for the United States was that like, we have this guy that's just going to go insane not only has he made the film for the landing on the moon but now he's just gonna just he is so far above us that Mm -hmm. he's just gonna go right into everything that we've tried to hide let me stop you right there for a second ty jake is making a lot of sense to me right now jake's making a whole lot jake is really making a lot i don't know if it's all the beers i've had (laughs) but listen jake is telling me right now Mm-hmm. That Kubrick understood the actual meaning of artificial intelligence, and that the government knew mm-hmm. that Kubrick <laughs> understood artificial intelligence, and Kub- and they did not want Kubrick to mm-hmm. be able to tell people. Yeah, because yeah. as it is, it is, like, so they killed him. Yeah, as it is, like, we're looking at artificial intelligence, and even the movie kind of explores a part of that, which is like, artificial intelligence means it's an individual, and it, um. And it's going to have its own feelings, and it's going to have its own identity and existence. But imagine what Kubrick would have, could have done with that, um, displaying to the world just how incredible that artificial intelligence could have been, and how individualistic it could have been, and how much just making some kind of making a robot could have been right. an actual making of a of a person and a human being, right. and how much that could go against industry, and how much that could go against 
commercialism who are going to be making these things for you know our own like labor basically purchase purposes and, and what year did this movie come out was it 2001 i think it was 2001 okay if i'm right real quick mm. i'm gonna throw out the name spielberg to you yeah what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear spielberg jaws jaws wow <laughs> that's, that's cool it's jaws that's is it all it is okay let me let me rephrase this question or real quick. The first word that comes to your mind whenever you hear the term Spielberg that has nothing to do with a movie. Mm-hmm. Go. Jew. Jaws. <laughs> Spielberg. Okay. I say the name. Okay. <laughs> to me, it is safe. Spielberg is okay. a safe choice. Yeah. Who would you go with after Kubrick? You would pick Spielberg. Spielberg is a safe choice. Spielberg is going to yeah. make a family-based film. What we is need is safe. a family blockbuster. Is a, mm-hmm. is a summer blockbuster, blockbuster would be another good one. Mm-hmm. There is nothing controversial about the name Spielberg. Yeah, yeah. nothing controversial mm-hmm. at all. That's incredible. Like it's incredible to me to think of the different like to go from Kubrick to Spielberg. Like the, just the gulf and, how, and, and the what kind of different movie it could after happen. the last mm. Stanley Kubrick movie is that maybe the government had something to do with that because you know? real kind of funny to think yeah. about that too. and real quick while we're on that subject let's name let's go around the table we'll name five Kubrick movies mm-hmm. and then we'll name five Spielberg movies yeah Ty Kubrick movies go am I doing five right now we're we're gonna go around the table doing, doing, doing five each. total okay yeah. all right uh Kubrick so I mean obviously 2001 Space Odyssey The Shining okay right. we're gonna say a clockwork orange mm-hmm. uh Barry get, Lyndon I won't get the next one until you have to go um we'll say um you, uh, eyes wide shut mm-hmm. so that's okay. five of them right oh, there yeah. yeah we're gonna go around the table right now we're gonna do five <laughs> uh, Spielberg movies Jake Start. E.T., right? E.T. Mm-hmm. Okay, I will say, um, I'm going to say Jaws. Jaws? All right, I'll go to Jurassic Park. Okay. Should, uh, Saving Private Ryan. Is that a Spielberg film? Mm-hmm. Okay. Spielberg. Okay, and then I will say, um, what was the fucking last one he did um, with J.J. Abrams? What was that? You talking about? Uh, oh, the, eight? yeah, it was the uh, same thing as E.T. Super 8? Super uh, 8. And Superate, any yeah. other ones that I'm that I'm forgetting, Ty, you might know. Yeah, more. I mean, I could go on for days with it. Schindler's List. Um, maybe I can't go on for days with it. Maybe I can just go one. Uh oh, Jake's got a year. Jake's got a year. Sorry, guy. But what I'm saying is, do you do you understand Munich? Okay. Do you, Indiana Jones. Indi- okay, Indiana Jones is a perfect stopping point right there. Mm-hmm. Do you understand the difference between Full Metal Jacket? And Indiana Jones. That's incredible. In a, in a lot of ways, Spielberg was the perfect choice to go from, okay, Kubrick's directing this, to now Spielberg's directing this. He was. He was the perfect choice. And for, like, most of the country, for most of the country who just is, like, who only knows that Kubrick was a, a good filmmaker, they're not going to think any different, anything differently at all. They're going to be like, oh, Spielberg now? It's a okay. it's a blockbuster. Let's go know. fucking see this new Spielberg movie and yeah. let's fucking eat popcorn and not think about anything but entertainment. Yeah, whereas Kubrick would have just fucked your mind. Exactly. Royally. And that's what he was doing. He was fucking people's minds, Ty. Goddamn. He was just fucking your mind. And it leads me to, I, I just always remember that part and 
Clockwork Orange with Alex mm-hmm. sitting there after he realizes how bad he's been. And the prison sits him in front of that theater with his eyes wired open to mm-hmm. watch all these fucking videos. Yeah. That's what Kubrick reminds me of. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was as if we were sitting there mm-hmm. with our eyes eyes wired open, just, just getting now, all this information. Yeah, and you are now fully exposed to... And in a way, your eyes are glued open because you're because you're thinking you're watching a horror movie. Essentially, you're watching some. You think you're watching some sort of blockbuster, but really, what you're what you're getting is is symbolism and an incredible like look at like the genocide of the American Indian or the Holocaust or the fact that he you know faked the moon landing or all these incredible huge stories that have nothing to do with what you think you're watching. And one could argue the American government's plot to fake the moon landing is a horror story in itself. Mm -hmm. But coming... Okay, so let's get off the moon landing for just a little bit. And let's get into other other subjects that The Shining has been known also to represent. Mm -hmm. Do you know any of them in particular, Ty, that I'm talking about? Uh, I mean, we've talked about the American Indian. We've talked about the Holocaust. Of course. Okay, so let's start with... The American Indian. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things to me that represent the American Indian? First of all, in the story, mm-hmm. even in the even in the Stephen King story, I think. Yeah, the overlook is built on an Indian burial ground. It is, and then one thing you notice is throughout the whole, a lot of the hotel, especially in some of the main um, rooms where Jack is riding, you see Indian carpets on the ground or rugs that they walk on top of. You see um, tons of Indian imagery around. You see tapestries on the walls, pictures. Um, Yeah, and then one interesting thing is you see there's the scene where the elevator spews blood out of it. Yes. And they speak about the elevator shaft going deeper into the ground than the rest of the hotel. The shaft goes down into the ground where the actual Indians are buried. So it's almost like the shaft is piercing into the ground where Indians are actually buried and the blood from them is coming up from the shaft and spewing out into the rest of the hotel. And not only that, but if we go back to what we were saying earlier about the overlook representing America, Mm. America is set on top of an Indian burial. That's right. Mm -hmm. America is, is there and everything is representing. If you watch the movie, you'll see pictures of Native Americans. Mm-hmm. You, will see, you will see artifacts. Yeah, it is. Because it is set right on top of an Indian burial ground, just like America is yeah. set on top of a, a pretty much an Indian burial ground. It is. It. And yet as a country, we like glorify and we, um, we sort of put Indian American, Native Americans up on a pedestal where mm-hmm. we put pictures up everywhere and we put tapestries and artwork when in reality we're sitting on them and we're you know coated in the blood of of them precise but we're sugarcoating it with just stupid designs and trying to glorify them now if we're gonna talk about the american indians um the part that really stuck in my mind was when jack was in the freezer Mm -hmm. And then you see behind him, not only, going back to the, okay, real quick, let's go back to the moon landing, a bunch of fucking containers of Tang oh, out of nowhere right. in the freezer. <laughs> There's Tang in who the keeps, freezer. Who keeps Tang in the fucking freezer? Yeah, and if anybody doesn't know, Tang was invented for 
space travel, essentially. It's powdered powdered drink, so you can make flavored, you know, essentially like a Kool-Aid. Exactly. Of sorts. So or you can have drink. tasty or drink. Or <laughs> Jake. Jake's you know. got it. Um, but also behind him, you can see very clearly behind him in the freezer, a baking soda mm-hmm. called Calumet. Now, Ty, do you know Calumet, what that is... Uh, what uh, what term that is? You yeah, isn't it? that for peace pipe? It's is for peace it pipe, very mm-hmm. much. And if you see Kubrick strategically put all there's like five cans mm-hmm. and none of them fully spell out Calumet. Mm-hmm. None of them fully spell out peace pipe. They're yeah. all fucking jagged. That's right. It makes perfect sense. There's no peace. There's no peace going on. It's like an illusion of peace, but it's never fully peace. It's just that you know. You see it there, and you're sort of teased with it, but really, it's just, um, it's not a full piece, and you're, and basically, we fuck the Indians over. Exactly. With doing that exact thing, with presenting them with peace, but not, but it wasn't a full piece or complete piece, and then we destroyed them. So, Jake, we've talked of the moon landing. We've talked of Native Americans. Is there, what other part... Is there in the fucking Shining that we're leaving out? What? (laughs) (laughs) My point is... Let's hear your point. That, uh... My first point is how intelligent Stanley Kubrick is with just Mm -hmm. everything that he... They have pointed... I don't have to bring it up again because... If you want to hear it, just listen to what they just said. Mm-hmm. Like it's just insane how, like every strategic thing that he put, like those cans, like he put them in a strategic way. Like this guy is so intelligent. Like how mm-hmm. would you not think of? And not only did he do the rugs on the on the you know where they walked in the hotel throughout the whole thing. But he did the rugs on the wall or the, you know, tapestries on the wall that if we're going to get back to like the rockets or whatnot, that like they were symbols of like rock that they looked exactly like rockets. And, you know, it just just little things just like that, that at the time where people wouldn't think about it. Maybe it was the person that thought about it, but maybe, you know, it was Stanley Kubrick or, you know, but like, it was just, he set him there and he set him in like a certain way where it was just like right there where this is what it is. You know, the Amer- mm-hmm. Native American tapestries, all that stuff. It's just insane. It blows my mind. And let me throw out real quick that this is third. This is more than third. This is thirty three years later, mm-hmm. and we are still fucking talking about the way that Kubrick turned the cans, yeah, in the freezer. Yeah, turn you know the what I'm cans saying? In, yeah. And what that meant, what it meant by how he turned the cans in the freezer. This yeah. is thirty three years after, dude. Yeah, yeah. I think that. Yeah, I think exactly. People seem to think that. Uh, I can see easily people saying like, "You're grasping at straws," or "You're." Um, trying analyzing to come up with way something too that, closely. Like, yeah, yeah. But then you forget that Kubrick was an amazing filmmaker, and nothing yeah, the, he did was mm-hmm. was coincidental. There really wasn't much that he nothing, did. No one was for this no reason. smart. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He had Just apparently was, like an IQ, a massive yeah. IQ. A lot of people said like over two hundred. Um, 
There's reasons for everything he does. Over There's, 200. And, so Einstein had an IQ of what? Like 190? Mm-hmm. Einstein had a Q of 190. Yeah. And go back to, okay, Barry Lyndon, 1975. Go back to this movie mm-hmm. and watch this movie. 1975, The Shining comes out in 1980. Kubrick took about six or seven years between each of his films. Yeah. Watch Barry Lyndon. This is a man that is obviously bored with what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Barry Lyndon's a boring movie, yeah. but it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And he spent most of his time with the with the shots, the cinematography. Mm-hmm. He was gearing up for what he to tell his story. He was gearing up for The Shining. Yeah. So I urge you to go back and watch Barry Lyndon, and then after that, watch The Shining. Watch the difference in between the two men. It's an amazing difference, yeah. All right, so I see where I see we're at the hour point right now. Right we now. normally take a break. Normally do right now. Yeah. Late night CSP. I guess we can take. A break. We can take yeah. a break. Let's go. Uh, let's chug our beers. We'll go grab another beer. Mm-hmm. We think Jake. Yeah. Jake sure. is just looking at his phone. Jake I'm is sorry, playing guys, fucking I'm, Tetris right now. I'm not playing Tetris. I'm playing like <laughs> let's look up some facts so I don't make an ass of myself. Oh okay. I shouldn't have so called you out. Cool game. <laughs> I'll I'll make that. I'll make yes. that point. Late night I'll CSP. Throw that out there. Let's grab our glasses. Let's do a cheers. All right. Let's do it. Cheers to y'all. Here we are. Cheers, Late guys. night CSP. We will be back after this brief advertisement. car trip and I was looking at these rows and rows of trees all along the highway. I don't know what kind of trees, apples or something. There were just like thousands and thousands of rows of a thousand trees each and I picked one tree that I could see about eight trees back in this one row in the middle. Just one in a billion. And that's how I felt. Are we starting the show? It was written by a mortal. It sounds like this song has always been passed down from generation to generation. It's, it's always really been there. It's like in some category that can't be found. How old do you like that? I think some. Some are a little bit, you can tell. Like, uh, what did we just play? Not that. Even the Beach Boys, some parts of it are like that. Stuff like this, like this progressive kind of uh, I can back that. Um, I feel like, I feel like there are certain songs mm-hmm. that we were brought up with. Like, okay, you can laugh if you will. Yeah. 
a song that in my life, and that's not really much to say as a 25 going on 26 year old male, mm -hmm. but a song that was just always there. Yeah. Even before me, I think was rock and roll all night and party every day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it wasn't only just a statement to their generation, but it was a statement to all generations, to people who came before and even after, and everyone can identify with that, like yeah. rock and roll, party every day, definitely. Can you picture a group of, because at the time, mm -hmm. people our age, me, Ty, and Jake, as yeah. we're sitting here tonight, live, late night CSP, mm -hmm. um, a group of people our age fucking let's think of a riff okay so they come up with the riff mm -hmm. and then they're like how about this i want to rock and roll all mm -hmm. night mm -hmm. and party every day party every day it was the yeah yeah you know what i'm saying not only was it that but it was the the generation was rebellious so it was mm -hmm. rock and roll and party every day all day. yeah every yeah. day yeah. every day so every single day it's no, different from the fact of like your everyday business and your everyday, you know, it was rebellious. They don't even care about it jobs. Was maybe, yeah, it was maybe like, not only was it like every night, because you know, from, you know, before then it was, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> the people before then, you know, it's funny to think about right now, but... <laughs> <laughs> It was kind of comical, but rock and rolling in the night, but in the day. <laughs> oh, shit. They're bringing something out. No, I agree. You know? I agree. Imagine if uh, he's like, we're, we're kind of laughing at him, but imagine like real prudes of the day. Had, I know. Who had been exactly, like, your art, like, they're. Like the people who were listening to that music, their moms and dads and grandpas yeah, and grandmas, they're like, exactly. they were like, wait, party, like rock and roll all night and party every day. Like, yeah, party that every probably day. must have been a concept to them that was just like, that is some rebellious, like evil shit. No. Yeah. And, it's completely rebellious. And, okay, outside yeah. of that, let's picture that we're in the mindset of rock and roll all night and party every day. Mm -hmm. How many, okay, if we rock and rolled all night. Yeah. We would try to party all day. Yeah. I would say by about nine or ten o'clock, I would be ready to fucking go even to bed. now. Yeah. yeah, no, even now, I couldn't party every day. It's not how possible. many? How long no. could you go on with that? It's not possible. Hmm. Maybe if I did it every day, I and could probably party every night, and maybe. I know, maybe, man. Maybe rock and roll all day. Just carve out like, like an hour or two for for rock and roll. Yeah, you know, just to like maybe rock and roll to rock and roll, maybe. <laughs> so skip of, the party <laughs> all night. One of those. You kind would of rock things. and roll all day and party. Wait, you'd rock and roll I'd all night. Party and all party night. all rock and roll day. Is that what I'd you're saying? Party all night and then just rock and roll is like sleeping to rock and roll <laughs> all day. Hold on, hold on. He's cheating. This okay, he is a little bit, but hold on. In your opinion, what is rocking and rolling? That's what I gotta ask. If you're gonna rock and roll all day too, I want to hear what what you would do when you rock and roll. Completely wasted and rocking and rolling in my bed like a little baby. Okay. <laughs> well, what's okay? What's what's partying then? If you're partying, not partying, party all night and yeah, rock and roll all day. Yeah. Partying so what's partying like to you? Partying like 
Yeah, my my thought with with partying would be nothing I've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. So partying would be like drunken, cocaine out, motherfucking <laughs> crazy ass son of a bitch. I've all never experienced night. either. You're right. I know. So it's nothing I've ever experienced. Party all night and rock just like and an roll insane all day. And, and it's nothing that you've ever, ever experienced. So you have to fucking be rocked like a little baby during the day. I yeah. think that's half of the thing that they were getting their point across was this. We have been completely demolished with alcohol. Drugs, fucking women, mm-hmm. and just titties in our face. That's a that's a total party to me, man. Yeah, I mean, that's okay. Party. So that we're brings a okay. party to a whole. So this is a fun game that we're playing right now. Mm-hmm. We are really just like we're just literalizing, delving into songs. Okay, exactly. Analyzing them. Do you have another one in your head that you can think of? Hmm. Yeah? Okay. Maybe... Okay, uh, wait, hold on. This one right here. Oh, right? okay. What do you think? Let's take it for a different, Let's different round. For it. Let's take it for a spin. I paid my dues Time after time Jake's already filling the song. It's good. Real good. Let's wait for the chorus. But committed no crime And bad mistakes Okay, we just heard <clears throat> We Are the Champions by Queen. Mm-hmm. Now, Jake, coming from you, if we're going to literalize this song, if you see a man just holding a microphone, yelling to the people opposite him, we are the champions, my friend. We'll keep on fighting till the end. What is the first thing that comes to your head? No time for losers. Because we are the champions. Her first thought would be sports. You'd have to, you'd have to put that in there. Yeah, you know, you'd have to put it in there. Mm-hmm. You'd have to put some sort of sporting event, some sort of contest, you know, whatever it may be to some draw. Sort of, yeah, some to draw s- to draw someone. <clears throat> Okay, I, I look at it as fucking, as like Freddie Mercury, the one guy that is so passionate that he mm-hmm. is holding a microphone, and he's not saying this, he's singing this to you. Mm-hmm. He's singing, we are the champions, my friend. Yeah. We'll keep on fighting till the end. That's right. Yeah, you bring that into the equation. So is he like the quarterback of the football team? Yeah. Well, no, he's not the quarterback of 
He's passionate. A though. football team. Yeah. He's a quarterback of a boys. Oh my! Can I give? <laughs> Go can I give my please. theory? Can please. I get? Can I get a word in here? You got one. <laughs> Let's let Ty say something. I'm just kidding. Freddie Mercury going. was a homosexual. Yeah, that's what I was saying. This song is about Freddie Mercury raising up his homosexual mm-hmm. brothers and sisters, yeah. and saying, "We're the champions, my yeah. friends. We're gonna we're gonna keep on fighting till the end, mm-hmm. and one day we're gonna win this. We're gonna be able to go outside and." be ourselves and we're going to be able to um, be homosexuals without having to be kicked in the dust and maybe kicked not down homo- on the ground. Yeah, maybe not homosexuals. Maybe that's not what they wanted. So maybe it's just wanted, they wanted to be not visualized as homosexuals. As what they were, as what they were visualized yeah, they as. Just so wanted to be equal. Just wanted to be equal. So one day, one day we will be the champions because right now we're the losers. Like they're making mm-hmm. us the losers. One day we will be on top. Yeah, and we and we were we're gonna reign. Maybe supreme. not on top, but maybe we'll be equal to other. Mm-hmm. We'll be on top of what you now, Jake. Would you would you say would you say that champions would be equal? Yeah, champions. I think are champions equal. are on top. Champions mm-hmm. are number one. Jake. Champions are are. On top, mm-hmm. but they're equal with other. What's he? What he's seeing? What Freddie Mercury is seeing as on, being a champion is being on the top of. It's just a victory. Yeah, it's being on the top of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what you would see as a as the United States or anything else is being on top. So he wants to be a champion. He wants to be on top. So he wants to be equal with everything else. You're right. He wants to change the. Gay community to be on top, to be equal with everything else. He wants that equality. He wants to to be equal mm-hmm. with everything else. That I want to be a champion. I want to lift that because if you were to re, you know, if you were to see him as something other than not equal, I want to be a champion. I want to lift myself above that, you know, scope. I want to yeah. be a champion. And I'm going to lift myself, and I'm going to reach out, and I'm going to go equal. Mm-hmm. It's not funny, but... It it just sounds kind of funny the way you're describing it. Um, I understand what you're saying, though. You just... You went on, like, five minutes too long, I think. But I understand... Five minutes. It was maybe two seconds okay. too long. I was okay. Okay. Re- I understand. I understand. the equal, equal thing, lifting that mighty duck's fist of... <laughs> Above homosexuality. Equal. Okay. Next song. That's the whole entire song. Ty. Okay. <laughs> we are the champions. You're absolutely my, right. My ducks, and listen, baby. we gotta rewind that. We gotta we gotta cut that. We gotta save that forever. Because yeah. that is the representation of that That's song. It is. Next song. Leave them. 
So, going to these lyrics. Okay, Tide, you want to start off the chorus? Yeah. Is it, uh, we don't need no education? Okay. Going from that to, we don't need no thought control. Tide. Is it no dark sarcasm in the classroom? Yes. And then to... Teacher, leave those kids alone. Now, Ty, let's finish this. Okay, ready? Yeah. Go. Hey, hey teacher, leave, leave those kids, kids alone. alone. <laughs> okay, Jake, what do you think about those lyrics? My... Th <laughs> my... <laughs> My first question is, <laughs> shit. <laughs> Time frame. <laughs> what eater is this? This is what seventy. Am I, am I giving my well? My first thought is my. Am I giving my time frame from that year? So I should not ask. What time frame it is? That's a good that's question. A good, that is a really good question. Time frame from 76. Yeah, so 76. From 1976. 1976. So it's 1976 right now. It's 1976. Yeah. The it's Vietnam rebel. War is yeah. over. Yeah, um, it's rebellion. Kiss, okay, Kiss just released Destroyer with Detroit yeah. Rock City. Mm -hmm. I um, got you. Fucking um, Club. That's what was I want to Club hear. 54. That's what I want to hear. Okay. Studio 54. Studio 54, Ty's got it, is, is bumping. Everybody's there. Like, probably Studio your mom 54? is no, bumping. Your mom is probably there before she even Studio thinks about it. Studio 54 is bumping? Studio 54. And 76? Yeah, of course. 76. Probably starting up. Um, starting up or it's ending? No, no, starting up. Studio 54? Studio 54 is, yeah. is going Disco. strong at this point. Uh, oh, okay. And Danny Bonaducci is a little child on the Partridge family. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I got you. Okay. Your mom, like I said, your mom is probably here. I don't know. She's hanging out. She's having a good time. My mom's probably in what? What years again? Seventy six. Your mom is oh, having yeah. fun. My mom is a junior in high school, yeah. probably. She's Maybe partying. A and my there's dad's a, my dad's a junior. My mom's a sophomore. Okay. There's no thought of your mom like having you as a kid. Okay. Let me. I got you. One more time. We don't need hey. no education. Yeah, I know. We don't need hey. no thought control. You know yeah. the lyrics. Tell it's me rebellion. what. It's You're a right. rebellion. Okay. Against government, against uh, just what's going on right now. Just mm -hmm. trying to regulate everything. And that's the biggest problem in the United States at the time period. Is regulating everything to one issue, or just regulating everything? They've actually grasped the facts that they were like, "We need to regulate shit." You know, You're right? He is but, absolutely right. Okay, but yeah, I mean, I you would go into the actual like artist, but I'll leave that to you guys. But going into the artist of like what he thinks, you know what their views are and they go as in depth as it goes on. Yeah. But yeah. my biggest view is regulations, war, peace, you know, whatever Ty, the thought, do you pro see the 
You're right. Do you see a certain implication on what exactly is happening in our life today? Mm-hmm. War? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The government controlling yeah. pretty yeah. much everything? Yeah, it's a good thought. And the movement of peace. Yeah. Absolutely. But is it uh, at a vast, you know, as is it as exploited or, you know, what have you, what word do you want to bring in there? Mm-hmm. You know, is it as vast as it was back then? Yeah. Well, I think, I think ultimately it seems like, um, as ch- as a child, you're pure in your thoughts, and you're pure in the way that you perceive the world, and you sh- inherently know that war is wrong. Um, you you know people shouldn't be killed for no reason. Death is awful. Uh, peace is good. Everyone getting along is good. Being fair to other people is good. And then we're put through this like this machine, this system of schooling, which sort of like brainwashes you and and kind of makes you it it centers you into the way that the world really the way the world really works or the way they want it to work mm-hmm. so through this machine of school you're taught to obey and you're taught to participate and you're you're taught to you're taught to trust like the leaders of your school for making the right decisions and that ultimately sets you up for the way you're going to live the rest of your entire life um and so so yeah, that's what he's saying is like teachers leave these kids alone. Like these kids already have shit figured out and they already see the world in a pure way and the Even way you're then, doing is poisoning it and you're making the yeah. exactly what it needs to be the you know, the evil machine that it really is. My thought is even then kids were above. Sure. Their mm-hmm. thoughts were above. Because every because every generation we they get said, smarter. We yeah, get they smarter said no. every generation. And the thing the fact of the matter is that they not only did they want to reach out to and say that that generation was smarter, mm-hmm. but to say that like us as a gay community was smarter at that time. Us as a black community mm-hmm. was better than, you know, was equal to them. Because us as a because you know, they were dumb. Anything Indian, exactly. you know, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. It, the point has been across the board of us is equal, us is better, us is we're all equal, if not better mm-hmm. than what you have to bring across. Right. And we're above and that has been a problem and that's always been a problem. You go back to any kind of society and it's always been above. Mm-hmm. It's always been above what they actually bring back because they don't want to have that that conflict. Yeah. They don't want to have that conflict because they think it will set them back. But in all reality, it would probably set them forward if they get past the actual issue right. and they would get to the con you know, the resolution and they would realize that this is better for our you know, our nation, our civilization or you know what have you think back to 150 to 200 years ago when our when our nation had slavery Mm -hmm. and then think about Mm -hmm. maybe 60 or 70 years whenever like our nation wouldn't even let women vote or even further and our nation wasn't even our nation was just 
beginning to be created. And there was no there such was thing no... as as gay people. Like mm-hmm. no one had those feelings. Yeah. Um. Even even up into the point to when we became adults, we yeah. really didn't see any any type mm-hmm. of TV where two gay people were together, except. I think whenever Ellen had her show, like she mm-hmm. had like a lesbian thing. Yeah. yeah. But that was never a thing whenever mm-hmm. we were growing up. We didn't no. see that shit on Growing Pains, dude. No, yeah, not at all. I saw a documentary and it said history reflects itself. Mm-hmm. And history completely reflects itself in the fact that it continues to destroy itself. It continues to repeat, repeat the same problems. Who said which that? Which is... Well, this was from a documentary that I saw on like Netflix. That's like that seems like exactly like a climbing right. documentary where they went to uh, I can't even remember the small country that they went to, where that history com- completely destroyed itself. It got this fascination with with making these extravagant, like concrete, you know, whatever. Like little fact, little uh, like figurines, okay. and they would make like Stonehenge. Figu- yeah, like Stonehenge, exactly Stonehenge. Okay. That's pretty much what it was. They'd make these figurines, and then they would worship them. Uh-huh. And they and that's all they would do. They would spend their whole entire time making oh. these figurines, right. the Stonehenge. Making these faces. That's but what it was. What does that have to do with uh, women voting? Huh? What does that have to do with women voting? What does that have to do with women voting? Yeah, tell me. So they can completely made these things and they fixated themselves on these things. Okay. And they continue to fixate themselves and they that's all they spent their time on. And women voting, I will get to that <laughs> when I realize what it has to do with women voting. But <laughs> he's they like a congressman right now. Dude. They would continue to fixate <laughs> themselves on those things, and they would not. And it completely reverts itself. Government fixates themselves on one issue, and they don't realize that women can vote. So they fixate themselves on men voting. This is the only vote that we get is men. And we're not going to vote for the women when women have at least 50 to 60% of what... I'll mm-hmm. get myself there. I'm not, I'm no, not that I, You've already gotten there. Like, yeah, you I'm, keep like going on these huge rants. <laughs> I will go on this rant, then, but I will and easily... You, and then oh, you I'll suddenly sorry. connect it. And I'm, I'm like, Whoa. Suddenly connect it, and <laughs> I'm way... <laughs> and I'll go like way past what you're even talking about. And then you won't even know what's going on. Okay. But I'm saying that like... So they fixate themselves on that, and then they went around and they, and Ty got what I was saying. Okay, so I figured. So yeah, now let's yeah. go past whenever Ty figured out what you were saying, and now what are you saying? Huh? Let's go past what Ty said. Ty figured no, out. No, you no. said you were going ahead. You were going ahead with what Ty was saying. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> I can't go ahead now. You okay. son of a bitch. All right. So like, Ty has to go ahead. Yeah. Alright, so I don't even know if this is what he's going for. Jake keeps going on these, these journeys. Okay. And then I'm like tangents. and then we get lost and then we're in the bushes, we're in the bramble bushes, the thorny bushes, and I'm just I like, thought Where I felt something prickly going on. And then all of a sudden he brings something in and I'm just like boom, like, okay, I got it. So like kind of so in the same way that like people of, of old have always fixated themselves 
on like these uh, items of worship or these these stone hinges or these um, what are those faces in the, the Easter Island heads? Mm-hmm. That's what that's what those are the faces. Um, yeah. So even in this, Ma- it's even Rapa Nui. Nui. Rapa Nui is the name of yeah Rapa Nui. There you go. Rapa Nui is the name of the thing. Of, uh, He's got island. It. Let yeah. him finish up. So in the got? same way that like they fixate on that and they worship these these idols and these these fake History gods, we're sort itself. of we're sort of worshiping um, man. We're sort of worshiping men in the exact same way, where we like put men on this pedestal, and the men are the gods of the universe, and the men control everything. And meanwhile, like we've forgotten about women, or that we've forgotten about other issues that are really important, or we've gotten about our. Like environmental help, mm-hmm. like we have forgotten about the land that, like, we can't yeah. deplete the land. In a way, we to like fathom okay. these things, yeah. these we, cultural things. We've forgotten about a lot of things. But let me throw this in real quick now. Going from that, what do you think about Wi-Fi signals going through our body all day, every day? <laughs> going from what we were just talking about yeah. into completely everything is handheld. Everything is by touch and Wi-Fi signals are going through our bodies all day long. What yeah. do you guys think about that go? Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't that have like a bad effect on us? We've seen I feel like we've seen just huge jumps in um a lot of like genetic kind of disorders and lately. Cancers, I, see, I, see, I cancer, think you can autism. relate it exactly to the faces, the things that we created. Mhm. You know, our ancestors created these mounds of worship. That's what we're worshiping now. Mm-hmm. And you just put them on a pedestal and you continue to say that, like, and not, it's it's so small now that we're just texting and we can be texting, we can be on our phones, mm-hmm. but we're still, it's so ironic that the fact that the thing is so fucking tall, mm-hmm. it's right there in our face, and we don't see it, that, like, this is a thing that we're worshiping, and at some point it's going to crumble. It's going to just... History and, repeats itself. Yeah, not only the is thing it going to... And, and the fact of the matter is that they go in groves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They continue to mount upon the each argument, other. The argument is, how far can it get? How, how far, far can how, it get? But not yeah. only that. And that's the argument. How, is how far, far can it get until it, it get? starts to fall down exactly. upon but itself? Exactly. That's that's it. That's it. Like literally. Uh, that's it. Like figuratively. But I'm saying like literally. How far can we get as a society before we reach that point? Like, until we start to like, like right now we can look rise up, above it or we can, no? We can look up videos on our phone. Like how far technologically yeah, that's what, can we get before it all just folds in on itself? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's my I th- thought exactly. But maybe at some point we rise when mm-hmm. we in as a whole entire society get smarter than that, and then we continue to go further. Mm-hmm. But history repeats itself. And we'd have to, f- so maybe we get smarter than actual history, and we mm. what do you start think of, to get what do you think a little of the subject smarter. I, maybe I think start like, to get a little bit smarter. I think more than ever before, we're on the cusp of like some Getting sort of into- mass catastrophe that's brought about by our own technology, like the short of shit we see in movies. But we're starting to see like. Um, our cell phones, we're starting to place, like, our entire trust in, like, digital information, and eventually that, if we do that too much, it's going to 
you know, no. something's going to happen, a computer's going to go down, or we're going to be wiped out, or we're starting to put our trust in, like... Are you saying for all of our answers, we're looking to Skynet? As that's exactly what I'm saying. We're, uh-oh. Now we're good. We're starting to uh, put our trust way too much in technology, and eventually, one day, you know, if we do create some sort of artificial intelligence, like, something's going to go wrong eventually, and by the time, hopefully what we've created isn't too powerful enough to destroy, like, everything altogether. As long as the computers do not become sentient. Mm-hmm. You know what? We're going to do it, though. You know what? We need to have... I'm going to tell you right now, we need to have my dad on the podcast. Oh, yeah? Because me and my dad have these deep discussions every time I go see him. Mm-hmm. we got to get him on... My dad is so Shit, fucking man. smart, dude. He, he will... Yeah, exactly. We need to get him on this podcast. Let's do it. I'd love to do that. That would be great. Every time we're always talking about sentient creatures, my dad knows so much about the universe, mm-hmm. man, it's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, That's legit. We're trying to kill some time from when Jake gets back from peeing, mm-hmm. so we can all sign off. That's right, it's sign off time, I think. Yeah, it's late night CSP. Mm-hmm. We've gone through, Jesus, we've gone through song meanings, Ty? <laughs> we've gone through song meanings, we've gone through Kubrick, and... Uh, and his in the conspiracy of filming the uh, the moon landing. Yeah, we've dabbled in Jesus the uh, the presence of man on this planet. We have. Um, we've talked about talked about Stonehenge. Stonehenge, yeah. Touched talked about uh, Easter Island heads, Rapa Nui. Yep, we've touched on it all. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been a really breakthrough podcast. Yeah. I've also realized that Jake can go off on some fucking I know. crazy oh my god! I didn't want to stop him because he was just rolling, but, but he keeps saying the same thing over and over he again. He does. He keeps doing that, but at some point, he he just mentions like the right combination of and then words. It fucking, and then it comes and together then again. Something snaps, and I'm like, oh, exactly. shit, I totally understand, which I don't think that's at all what he was getting to. No, it just happened to work out that way. And well. Jake's back now from peeing. <laughs> and... Real quick, Jake, um, we're at an hour, 35 minutes. We're going to sign off real quick. All right. Okay. Yeah, we're done. We're done. Uh, it's been another late night CSP in the book, and people are starting to kind of take late night CSP with viewer discretion advised. I think so. We're going to have to put a little asterisk on this, dude. You know what I'm saying? Because late, they're starting to realize that late night CSP means that we're hanging out, it's dark, and we're having a good time. Mm-hmm. So um, before we sign off, Jake, any last words? Got nothing. Okay. He's got nothing. He said okay. all he's needed to say. Yeah. You have, and you totally have, and I'm glad yeah, that you besides, finally I'm yeah. glad you finally sat in with us, dude. Right, We've been yeah. wanting to get you in for a while. Sounds good. Yeah. Have all a good right. night, uh CSP uh listeners. Yeah, there we go. Um what do you got, Ty? I got nothing. Everybody watch Kubrick movies. Even if you don't watch it and try to figure out the secret conspiracy shit in it, just watch them and appreciate them for how amazing they are. And we will put a URL to uh, to uh, Jay Widener's. Yeah, do uh, that. And movie. also, if you're not into the conspiracy side of it so much, watch uh, Room Two Thirty Seven anyway. Yeah, because that mm-hmm. one just kind of delves into symbolism in it, and it's not necessarily about the moon uh, landing. Yeah, no, no, not at all. But it also just shows you how incredibly in depth Kubrick got with his movies. So. Uh huh. And then uh, check out all of our friends on Facebook. Check us out. We didn't even throw out our URL or anything, no, but I think yeah. they maybe they know it by now. They're gonna be at our URL. So yeah, 
and uh, I guess we'll catch you guys next time on Late Night CSP. You have just listened to Complete Sentences with Ty and Rocky K. Please feel free to email us at completesentencespod at gmail.com. to the woman that he loves and he serenades her for the most part. That's what what Garth Brooks is about.